Chompers and Choo Choo are two seven-foot-tall, bipedal, anthropomorphized goats. Chompers is the boy goat. He's green with blue horns and a blue beard. Choo Choo, the girl goat, is blue with green horns and a green beard. Chompers wears a blue and green faux flannel jersey. Choo Choo wears a blue and green polka-dotted sort of housecoat jersey mashup thing. They both have strong square jaws and many, maybe too many, always visible squared-off teeth in their perpetually open-mouthed smiles. Choo-Choo's girlishness comes across, despite the beard and jaw, through her curled eyelashes and always-on lipstick. I wanted to open this show by introducing you to Chompers and Choo-Choo directly, some sort of ham-handed interview with the Yard Goat's mascots. But it turns out that there's actually some pretty tight security around these oversized puppets. I wasn't allowed to take any photos of the separate parts of the costume or the room they're kept in. I wasn't allowed to interview anyone while they were wearing any part of the costume. And actually, the people inside the costumes aren't allowed to talk to anyone while wearing the costumes in the first place. Pretty much nothing that might break the illusion that these aren't actual seven-foot-tall, bipedal, blue-and-green goats, that there isn't, in fact, a person inside there. The secrecy maybe even goes a little further than that. I told the Yard Goats I had to get them on the record about at least one key question here. What exactly is the dynamic, the relationship between Chompers and Choo Choo? Are they a couple? Brother and sister? Something else? And the answer I got back is, frankly, kind of creepy. Quote, nobody knows. From WMPR, this is the second first season, a behind-the-scenes podcast about the making of a baseball team on a year-long do-over. I'm Jonathan McNichol. The Yard Goats mascots were first unveiled to the world in October 2015 as the last part of a string of branding reveals that included merchandise, logos, logotypes, and uniforms, and that had begun with a Name the Team contest. The crop of fan submissions were winnowed down to a final five names, among them the Hartford Hedgehogs, River Hogs, Whirly Birds, and the oddly singular Hartford Praying Mantis. But as we well know, none of those names won out in the end. This episode lets look at all this stuff around the Hartford Yard Goats, the whole brand, the logos, the uniforms, the mascots. And let's figure out one thing that we've all been wondering for about two years now. What the f*** is a yard goat? I'm Jason Klein. I'm a partner at Brandios, and we're the guys behind the Hartford Yard Goats brand. You know, one of the things that is important to us is that somehow that the community persona is represented in the identity. And so when we came to Hartford, we drilled pretty deep, pretty quickly into how people in Hartford describe themselves. There is a kind of woundedness to this place. Colin McEnroe hosts a talk show on WNPR in Hartford. To Hartford in particular. You know, there's a way in which it has sustained certain primal wounds. There was a lot of stories about how, you know, we're forgotten because we're in the middle of Boston and, you know, in New York. In a lot of these smaller minor league towns, you know, there's there's often a little bit of a, like a little brother syndrome. Paul Lucas writes ESPN's UniWatch column. You know, we're not a top city. We don't have as many people. We don't have top level, you know, major league pro sports. I I think it's a mistake to think about Hartford without, I mean, you know, Hartford, it's like, (laughs) you sort of think about sort of like the story of Hartford and it's the story, A, of Calvinism. And it was a really raw conversation, you know, 
we have a, a history of things being taken away from us. Calvinists tend to think that God is making all the decisions and, and you can, despite anything that you might do, you know, your good works don't count for that much. You know, we had the, the whalers taken away from us. Most of this stuff is just predetermined. The book is written without your input. At one point, we were going to have the Patriots, but that was taken away from us. This place has been more of a reminder of the futility of human effort than an endorsement of meaningful existence. And, um, you know, we're territorial, and we're bold, and we're small, and uh, at times we can be temperamental. I mean, you start there, and then, you know, you go through stuff like the defense industry and the insurance industry. One person even piped up and said, you know, at times we're quarrelsome. In minor league baseball, you should be able to have fun. You should be able to do sort of wacky things, stuff that's clever, that shows a little imagination, and stuff that will resonate with your local fans. The word I use as a writer is uh, irreverent. Ben Hill writes about the business and culture of minor league baseball for MILB.com. And uh, it is irreverent, but it's it's about bringing families to the ballpark. So it might be a little cartoony. The, the purists might feel it's a little embarrassing. To me, this is the real tension here for Hartford. Minor league baseball might be exactly what Hartford needs, or it might be a pretty awkward fit, or maybe it's both at the same time. So you want something that the fans can say, this is ours. You know, for better, for worse, whatever you think about it, this is ours and it's unique and there's certainly nothing else like it anywhere else. And you need attention. You know, you're fighting for space. You're fighting for eyeballs. You know, you're fighting against all the other entertainment options. You know, we're thousands and thousands of brands that we're exposed to every day. This is Jason Klein from Brandios again. And in the past, you know, maybe you could be just, you know, the, the classic sports team names, the Bears, the Lions, the Tigers. And... What happens now is that you hear a team name, and most people, if it's a classic traditional name, they file it into the part of their mental hard drive, which is, oh, I've already, I understand where the bear is, I understand where the tiger or a lion is, I don't need to go investigate any further. The name of the team contest garnered a reported 6,000 submissions. And, um, you know, when you narrow a short list down to about six or seven, you want to make sure that those six or seven are names that you can work with. I already mentioned hedgehogs, river hogs, whirlybirds, and praying mantis. Other finalists included blue frogs, honey badgers, hound dogs, and screech owls. Really what's most important to us is a name that you hear and you think to yourself, wait, the what? Uh, I got to see what that logo is. And that every piece lures you to go deeper into that brand story. Um, and so you start thinking small and bold and temperamental and quarrelsome and uh, the underdog and, uh, you know, the character that is fighting its way back and that, you know, punches above its weight. This is WTNH News 8 on March 18th, 2015. And our new team name is the Hartford Yard Goats. Yep. The Yard Goats. If nothing else, the name will get the team some publicity it wouldn't have otherwise gotten. And the, the goat became a natural icon. And I, you know, to some that may seem kind of fluffy and uh, sort of marketing speak. But it, you know, there was a lot of other options on the table, and we helped it helped us narrow it down pretty quickly. What the? F the Hartford Yard Goats. As if Connecticut didn't already have a hard enough time pretending we're a cool state to begin with. Initial the reaction Yard to the new team name was... Really? I mean, seriously? Not exactly positive. CBSSports.com ran a story under the headline, Hartford Yard Goats is actual new name of minor league team. 
A New Britain man was quoted in the New York Times calling the name the worst thing he'd ever heard of. But announcing, here are your Hartford Yard Goats. Seems like we're kind of already setting up the team to be a public laughing stock. And this is Brian McDuff, a YouTube personality known as BMAC, in a video titled, Hartford Yard Goats. Worst name ever, goat emoji? Now listen, I've already been making plans to kind of try to move out of Connecticut in the near future as it is. So maybe this name selection will finally light a fire under my to finally commit. What you saw in Hartford, especially the initial disdain and this must be a joke and fire your marketing team and start over and this is an embarrassment. You see that almost every time a team rebrands. Almost every single time. This is Ben Hill from MILB.com. And then check back in a year or two later and you're going to find very, very little of that initial resistance. Once the fans see how it looks with the logo, once how they see it's incorporated into the ballpark, once they get that experience for themselves, and then actually start to take a little pride in having something that's so unique. So when you hear the Yard Goat's name, you go, wait, they named him the what? You start having a conversation about you know, the railroad history. Right. So this is kind of a key point. A Yard Goat isn't a goat at all. Or at least it wasn't before chompers and choo-choo. It's a rail term. A yard goat is a uh, you know a locomotive or a tender that aligns rail cars to get going to line up to big trains that are going to the big city. According to Wikipedia, a yard goat is a small railroad locomotive intended not for moving trains over long distances, but rather for assembling trains ready for a road locomotive to take over, disassembling a train that has been brought in, and generally moving railroad cars around. But it's also, you know, the players are, you know, moving their way up to, uh, you know, we're preparing uh, the players to move up to uh, the big leagues. And you just keep going down and there's all these layers of the brand that lure you in to uncover and go deeper into the backstory behind the brand. The Yard Goats, I like it a lot because it, it got people's attention. People know the Hartford Yard Goats well outside of Hartford. And a more traditional name uh, wouldn't have done that. And, and, and because there was such a story behind the stadium, it wasn't always positive, but that name really got out there. So I do have the sense that the Yard Goats certainly have more name and brand recognition than the average minor league baseball team because they have a new stadium, because they have an interesting story, and because they have a very memorable name. They're the Yard Goats. And then when you see the logo... Um... The main Yard Goats logo, designed by Brandios, features a stylized goat head with a baseball bat in its mouth. But it's maybe less about the goat and the bat than it's about the color scheme. For all these stories that Hartford doesn't get the respect that it deserves, that things have been taken away from Hartford. Face off in the zone. That's all that remains. You know what? We're going to bring something back. We're going to take something back from those who have taken something from us. It's over, folks. It's been a great ride. And we're going to say, no, you know what? This color scheme, we're taking back. And we're going to own it. And we're going to have a team here that continues that heritage and that tradition of, of Kelly and Royal. The Whalers will go out. Winners. On April 13, 1997, after 23 seasons in Hartford and 18 seasons in the National Hockey League, the Whalers played their final game before moving to North Carolina to become the Hurricanes. Colin McEnroe. And, and there is very much this sense of Edenic loss among Hartford sports fans. We had a major league franchise. It was taken away from us. And there really are these groups of people, and I've encountered them. I, I, I can verify their existence, who are, I mean, they're almost like those 
you know, Japanese soldiers they would find in a palm tree somewhere about six years after World War II ended and just like they never got the message. There are these people who just, it, it is as though it happened yesterday. The departure of the whalers is this very... F- Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the Go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health fresh bleeding wound, this thing that was taken away from them. And if you think about it a little bit. 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. I mean, but it not to them. No, this is like, you know, somebody snatched their purse about 20 minutes ago. And, and in a way, <laughs> not that I would ever say this to these people because, frankly, many of them are not in their right minds anyway. But So not that I would ever say this to them. But the truth was that was the anomaly for Hartford to have a major league sports franchise. That was the anomalous situation. Hartford has had the dark blues in major league baseball in the 1870s and the Hartford blues in the NFL for one season in the 1920s and the Whalers. Which then kind of like a river seeking its bed, I mean, kind of went back to the way things had been. We looked at hundreds of color schemes. We looked at, you know, teams that were selling well in minor league baseball, what color schemes that they had. Early on, we looked seriously at Navy before we went to the Whalers Royal. We looked seriously at red and black before we went to the Whalers Colors. You know, there's colors that drive sales, and you want to look at what's going to be a hit. And it was more towards the end of the process where, you know, the colors weren't really connecting the red and black didn't seem right and somebody said well let's just like throw in whalers colors and see what it looks like it is officially uh royal blue and kelly green so much so that we worked with new era to identify you know they're still producing whalers baseball hats that we went to new era and said what are the exact threads that we're using for hartford we want to use those for the yard goats all right so now talk to me about this my angle here is it's weird it, right? It's, I mean, how much, how many times have you guys based a color scheme for a new baseball team on the color scheme of a hockey team that hasn't existed for 20 years? It's rare. I can't think of an example where a minor league team is specifically referencing another team, especially one that's A, defunct, and B, in another sport. But I also think that speaks to the unique place of the Whalers in Hartford. And it is sort of remarkable that the team has been gone for a long time, uh, but it still seems like a really strong part of the local culture. Paul Lucas's UniWatch website, to paraphrase their words, obsessively studies the aesthetics of athletics. Which 
I think speaks to a few things, uh, not the least of which is the, the real strength of that logo that they had. The Classic Whalers logo by Connecticut designer Peter Good incorporates a royal blue whale's tail surrounded by a Kelly Green W. And formed by the white space between the two is an H for Hartford. And that's one of these great sort of negative space revelations that I still today, I have readers who will say, I just realized I was looking at the Hartford Whalers logo and I, I didn't realize there was an H hidden inside it. I just realized, and that now I can't unsee it, but until now I never saw it. And so it, it's, it's kind of one of these clever little design devices that sneaks up on you. So even though the team isn't there, you know, people like wearing Whalers t-shirts or caps or, or whatever, which uh, is interesting. I, I don't think there are many defunct or, or relocated teams that uh, still have such a presence. <laughs> I mean, I, I can guarantee you, I don't know if this, you may know whether this is in the works or not. If it's not in the works, it will be. There's going to be sometime during this season, Wheeler Night at Dunkin' Donuts Park. I just know that has to happen. It doesn't really make any sense to have a night at a baseball stadium celebrating a hockey team that hasn't existed for 20 years. But I just, I know the psychology of this market. It has to happen. The Yard Goats, in fact, on July 14th, 15th, and 16th, will celebrate a Whalers weekend. And when it does happen, a lot of people will come out because that's like a really important thing. And so whatever the Yard Goats are, they're going to be offered as a salve, as a balm to that wound. And it'll be interesting to see how much they can do. Rooting for a team is basically the most intense form of brand loyalty that we have. Let's say, for example, that hypothetically, let's say I like Cheerios, which in fact I do. And so over the years, I've gotten used to the yellow box and the typeface on the box and all of that. And, but what I really like is the product, right? And it, like, I like the way it tastes. I like the way it crunches. But with sports, the, the content of the product and the quality of that content, by which I mean the players, is changing all the time. Players get traded. They retire. They, you know, they go for free agency. And so your team can be really good one year and really bad the next. But we keep rooting for those colors and that logo and that uniform, no matter who's wearing it. The Yard Goats home uniforms are white with Kelly Green piping, the player's number in Kelly on the front and back, and Yard Goats across the chest in royal blue. In a lot of ways, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is this really sort of content, irrespective form of brand loyalty. Let's say, hypothetically, that I love the New York Mets, which in fact I do. Hartford's road uniforms are gray with Kelly Green piping, the number on the front and back in royal blue, and the word Hartford across the chest in Royal. And let's say that tonight the entire Mets team is traded straight up for the entire Yankees team. Who do I root for tomorrow? I root for the 25 guys who are wearing Mets uniforms. That doesn't make any sense. Yard Goat's caps feature the goat and bat logo. Home caps are Royal Blue. Away caps are Kelly Green. But that's how sports loyalties work, and that is the power of a uniform, that you root for the uniform no matter who is wearing it. During batting practice, the team wears royal blue jerseys with the word goats across the chest and caps with an alternate YG logo in the distinctive proprietary yard goats lettering. And, you know, the rail theme is like, well, what if we adopted the lettering of, you know, the Hartford and New Haven Railway? The New York, New Haven, and Hartford Railroad operated from the early 1870s to the late 1960s and may have been the most important railway in the region over the first half of the 20th century. So it wasn't just a, a name that was loosely connected to the railroad and a gateway to developing this brand, but what if we actually brought in the railroad into our identity? The New Haven Railroad's logotype, or wordmark, 
like the Whaler's logo, is something of an icon in the region. It's sold on t-shirts and tote bags and has a frameable print. And we wanted a brand that felt, you know, minor league-ish and sort of, you know, reverent and, and witty, but also you want a brand that it just feels classic and, and baseball. And the lettering style feels like a classic American baseball team. So it just happened to be from a railway. The New York, New Haven, and Hartford logo is distinctively tall and italicized. There's one large N for both New York and New Haven. There's one large H for Haven and Hartford. The other letters are all swoops and swashes, the F in Hartford trailing down under railroad, the V in Haven winding up like a vine. So all of the, the font work that you see and the type that you see for the yard goats is a custom proprietary font uh, that we developed specifically for the yard goats based on the original railway lettering. There isn't a whole lot like that in minor league baseball or really anywhere in sports. That is an unusual word mark. There, that, that doesn't fit the sort of boilerplate look that a lot of teams use. On the yard goats' uniforms, the larger words, yard goats or Hartford across the chest, are in that same distinctively tall and italicized lettering, with tails and swashes running above and below the words. And so I'll give Brandios credit on that one. That's, that's something that's a little uncommon, and I like it. Uh, I think it looks pretty cool. I think it looks cool on its own, just as a word mark, and I think it looks good on a, on a jersey as well. One of the big things about creating a minor league baseball experience is that, you know, we're all very cognizant that not everybody is a baseball fan. You know, we say jokingly that probably 80% of uh, the fan base is there and doesn't know who won or who is playing or what the score is, but they're there just to have fun. We joked that uh, we threw a party and a baseball game broke out. Yard Goats general manager, Tim Restall. It's funny, we look at, you know, how the experiences at the ballpark and we compare it to, like, how fans' experiences at Disney World or at Six Flags or things along those lines. And it's like going to Disney, but you're in your own community and you're, you're transported for a couple hours into this immersive experience that's all about what you love about Hartford and it's celebrating all about what you love about Hartford sports. And so baseball is played on the field instead of riding a roller coaster. But, you know, the sounds, the smells, the sights, those are all the things, you know, the entertainment in between any entertainment. They're very similar. And when, when you think about it, there's baseball being played instead of a roller coaster going around. And that's really what the whole point of minor league baseball is. Exactly. That's why we promote Chompers and Choo Choo. They, they will be out in our community, you know, this afternoon and tomorrow. And, and you know, and those are the, our icons. Those are our, I guess, call it, you know, franchise players that are our mascots. So I couldn't get you an interview with Chompers or Choo Choo, but I got you the next best thing, I think. So uh, my name is Connor Geary. I am a mascot for the Hartford Yard Goats. I'm sorry, Yard Goats, but I'm telling the world. There are people inside the mascot suits. And Connor Geary was, in fact, the first professional mascot suit wearer the Yard Goats ever had. I'm pretty sure I'm the first person to get paid for being the mascot, yeah. yeah. Connor is himself kind of a big, approachable cartoon of a man. He's a beefy 6'2 or 6'3. He's got red hair and a red beard. And you can kind of feel that he wants to smile even when he isn't. I'm one of those oddballs. I am in my 20s and I was educated outside of the state, but I'm from Hartford and I very consciously elected to come back to home and I wanted to and still want to be a participant in the sort of revitalization of the city. Not that this necessarily, you know, trans I mean, you know, there's no political decisions being made in a in a blue and green suit. So Chompers and Choo Choo, who are they? I, they are the personification of 
the Yard Goats team. They are the playful attention seekers that represent that they are friends of the baseball team. Uh, they are not cows as much as people may think that they have jaw lines that, that resemble a cow. I, I mean, it's adorable sometimes to have a little two-year-old kid, you know, point up and go moo cow or something like that. And I, I just want to be like, I'm a goat. But he can't because it would break the illusion. Connor took me to see the promotions room to show me the suits and how they work and what the different pieces are, but we couldn't talk on tape there. We went out near the dugouts for batting practice instead, some dozens of feet away from the suit where no one would get confused about who's a puppet goat and who isn't. The rules are, when you're in the suit, you, you are the character. I can't talk, I have to be fully in that character. It's like Bruce Wayne becoming Batman to some extent, you know, without the Lamborghinis and stuff. But um, the gestures are bigger, the, you know, the smile is always on, the eyes always look like they're having a great time, and I have to sort of exude that. Choo Choo 2, in order to sort of be female, has to have a demeanor to her that's a little more, you know, she'll curtsy instead of bow, and she'll be a little more flighty in her in her. I asked Connor what it's like inside the suits, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it smells like. There is something quite luxurious about Chompers and Choo Choo in the scheme of things. They are the Cadillacs of mascot suits in my experience. Why is that? The visibility is very high. Their, Their mouths are where I sort of see from and that is there's a they have a big smile on so I have about 180 degrees of view and their teeth are tall so my my visual opening is is pretty good and the way the suit is constructed choppers and choo-choo both have these sort of hula hoop waistlines that make them big and round and seemingly quite huggable there's air around me because i'm wearing kind of the 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 belly as it were there's i'm a big guy but i'm not that big so there's space between the the physical barrier of the suit and my actual you know shirt or butt and that provides ventilation even though they look more cumbersome I would absolutely prefer to be a uh, Chompers or Choo Choo if given the choice. The Yard Goats also have a whole slate of secondary mascots. As opposed to wearing some of these skinnier suits that are literally just like carpets, you know, with no ventilation whatsoever. There's Toner the Copycat and Balk Balk the Chicken. I have a beard. And just imagine an itch on the top of your lip. Turn to the Toucan and Dinger the Dinosaur and Rip at the Frog. I mean, I contort and, you know, make faces and try to move whiskers and all kinds of stuff. But if you have a bead of sweat that's rolling down your... Oh, it's brutal. Uh, dryer sheets are my best friend. I'll tuck dryer sheets in there so that I... What does the dryer sheet do? It just it eliminates the odor. It provides sort of just a, a nice scent that's more bearable. Um, more goatable, I guess. Yeah. I, I will say... I don't know. So that excitement that I sort of shared with you on day one, and I still get it when I get in the suit. and, and I mean, I've had some experiences where you just know that this kid is going to remember this day forever. Like, there was one little girl, I'll never forget. We were at a Little uh, a little League event uh, maybe about two months ago for the start of the season, and there was this one little girl in particular who, like, was... She would hit the ball, and instead of running to first, she would run to chompers. So I had to get in the batter's box with her and actually physically run the base path with her, and she got to second. I mean, I'm talking, like, three. I mean, this girl was you know hit the ball is kind of a stretch um but she got to second and so i took myself off the field and she refi- she ran up behind me and grabbed my hand and like the parents are swooning and even i'm in there going oh my god like this is this is too much 
And sure, it's minor league baseball. Sure, it's Hartford. Sure, it's all. Of course, there's always checkboxes we're never going to hit or not going to hit for a long time. But don't hold that against the positivity and the good things that can be experienced in the city. It's, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm proud to be part of this, uh, as goofy and sweaty as that might be. <laughs> Coming up on the second first season. He goes like this with his hand, at, you know, the strike call. And I look at him I'm like, are you serious? He's like, it's a swing, man. Ball's in play. It was there was so it wasn't even anger. It was almost shock and and confusion and embarrassment that I I couldn't even argue it. I planned to do sort of like a knives out review, but then I ate it and it was really good. Let's go first and second, one out, pop up to the first baseman, runner on first interferes with the first baseman. The ball lands foul. What do you got? This episode of the second first season was edited by Jeff Cohen. Heather Brandon is the digital editor. Katie Talarski is the executive producer. The sports highlights in this episode featured John Forslund and Billy Gardner on Sports Channel New England. Our theme song is by the great Jim Chapdelaine. You can find the second first season on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on the web at wnpr.org slash second first. You can find me on Twitter at McNicholPants. The second first season is a production of WNPR. I'm Jonathan McNichol. <laughs>